In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is the very last of the really, really big ancient festivals of the church. Yes, of course, next week is Trinity Sunday, from which our congregation draws its name, but it is actually not added to the liturgical calendar until about uh, the early 1100s, so it's a pretty late addition to the festivals. And when I say that Pentecost is ancient, I mean that it's older than the written scriptures themselves. Our reading from Acts chapter 2 describes the gathering of the disciples happening as the day of Pentecost, and that is why we're here today. This indicates, though, that this is a festival that has been in establishment for a rather long time, even before Christ's uh, incarnation and birth. Its roots come to us from the Old Testament. And it is connected to a few very important events in the life of God's people. First, it was established as the 50th day after the Passover in the Old Testament, which was the celebration of God's abundant grace in bringing about the very first harvest of the year, the barley harvest. This is why we mark the festival on this particular day. So we count uh, 50 days from the day of Easter, and that dumps us out to today, Pentecost. The crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ is that event which helps us to mark what day we celebrate this on. Now, I said there were a couple events. So the other major event that this festival is connected with is the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. There at Sinai, God appeared in fire and smoke, thunder and lightning, and he gave the Ten Commandments to his people. Now, it's important to consider what the first of the commandments were for the Jewish people, because their list is slightly different from ours. They took what we consider to be the preamble to the Ten Commandments, and they say that that's all part of the first commandment. So, for the Jews, the first commandment reads like this. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So, at Sinai, 50 days after the Passover, God declared the people of Israel to be his. And so, Pentecost is a huge deal in the scriptures, not only because it's the day that we recognize God as the giver of our daily bread, but it's also the day that God reaffirmed that his people that are marked by his name belong to him. So what's going on in our reading then from the book of Acts? Well, God had gathered his people from all over the civilized world for this particular festival. That long list of names that you heard would make for an interesting map study if we ever got a chance to do it. These people had come from far-flung far places and were in Jerusalem where God had caused his name to dwell. God had gathered them back to remind them that they belonged to him. In the same way, dear saints, God has called you here to remind you that you belong to him. 
in the waters of your baptism. God has placed his name upon you, and he has said, I am alone your God and Lord. I will give you everything that you need to support this body and life, and you don't need to seek anything from any other God. When we trace the sign of the cross upon ourselves, God gathered us here in his holy name. But again, the Pentecost in Acts was a bit unique. It followed the fulfillment of the Passover, which was fulfilled in Christ's passing over from death to life. But here he's also the fulfillment of God for us. He says that he has come not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. It was on this day that Pentecost's true purpose would be fulfilled and its true meaning would, re would be revealed to God's people. Its true purpose was a gathering in, a harvest celebration. The Jews were to bring an offering of the barley harvest to God in thanksgiving. And as they gathered in the harvest, so God also gathered in his faithful people. Even though a lot of history had intervened between the institution of the Passover in Leviticus, God's promise was still here at work. Even though many of God's people had been scattered throughout the Mediterranean world and beyond because of their various conquests over the years, God still gathered them as his own people at Jerusalem in the year of our Lord's resurrection. And he did not disappoint. God came to them in a very mighty way. St. Luke records, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues the mighty works of God. And at this sound the multitude came together. Now think about what I just quoted. What caused this group to gather together? It was the sound, the sound that you hear. You can't see the wind, but you can hear it. And believe me, you can hear it up here on the hill. And when they gathered, what did they hear? They heard another sound, the sound of the preaching of the mighty works of God in their own language. The crowd had asked the good catechism question, what does this mean what was St. Peter's response? He says from the prophet Joel, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Dear saints, the miracle of Pentecost is not necessarily in the brilliant sights of the tongues of fire. It's also not in, as some claim today, in the ecstatic preaching in tongues that is nothing more than satanic babble. It is that God has called and gathered his people to hear the preaching of his word in their own language so that they would hear the word of God and they would learn to call upon God's name and that they would then be saved. Thus, what happens here today is a continuation of Pentecost. God has called us together here this morning. 
He has poured out his Holy Spirit upon you in his font and in his word. And by his word preached in your own language, the language that is the language of your heart, God has taught you to call upon the saving name of Jesus so that you too would be saved from your sins and from death. And how does the Holy Spirit work today? Well, it works in the same ways that it did in the book of Acts through the preaching of God's word, and through his appointed means of grace. St. Paul, commenting on that verse from Joel, says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, then, will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, dear saints, this is how God has promised to work among us. This is how God has always worked among his people. He has always worked through the preaching of his word in unbelieving hearts. He worked through what is foolish, what is despised by the world, what is low. The preaching of a crucified carpenter. To show that the wisdom of this world is folly. The foolishness of God is the crucified Jesus. And it is wiser than the wisdom of men. For it is in that crucified Jesus that God has atoned for your sins and has reconciled himself to you. He has gathered you in as the true barley harvest that he might make you his own. He is your God, and you are his people. And in a new and greater way than at Mount Sinai, he no longer places upon you the burden of the law, but has given you the promise of salvation in Christ Jesus. And now, dear saints, that message is destined to go into all the world. It is to be carried out to every tribe and language and people, even as the apostles carried it in their own native languages to the ends of the earth. God has turned the curse of Babel into the means by which the gospel is heard in every corner of the globe. And it is our holy calling to make sure that this happens. We have made a great start by supporting various mission work through our district and through our own Jackson County Mission Federation and our own mission, mission festival that we do in January. But mission work isn't just reaching out to those far-flung corners of the globe. I would also argue that our school in Brownstown is one of the ways our congregation reaches the youth in our congregations and in our community to learn about Christ the Christ who saved them in their own heart language, so to speak. So as they learn the Bible at their level, that they may know the word of God. But our mission work also extends even to our neighbors and to our co-workers. You don't have to be an eloquent, eloquent speaker like Peter. You simply confess what Christ has done for you in the saving and mighty works that he has done for you in his death and in his resurrection 
And the Holy Spirit will then use that word to plant the gospel into the hearts of the people that God has placed around you. But dear saints, I urge you to make sure that gospel seed is planted deep in the hearts of those in your own home, too. Let us make sure that the seed of the gospel is tended and nourished and that grows into a faith that continues to call upon the saving name of Jesus. Come what may in front of us. God is faithful to work through the preaching of his word, and it never returns to him void. And he has sent it to us today to gather us in as his holy harvest. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.